Welcome to the Good Question with Jessica Tanderup podcast. I'm Jessica, and I have a passion for asking hard questions and going deep in conversation. Usually, these discussions happen over dinner or coffee with a close friend. But on this podcast, I bring them to you because I want you to know if you have questions, you're not alone. On this show, I invite apostolic leaders, thinkers, and fellow believers to tackle the tough topics questioners face as we strive to live out our biblical mandate to love God, love people, and take the gospel to the whole world here in the 21st century. I hope you'll stick around because when you know Jesus is the answer, every question can be a good question. Hey friends, you're listening to season two, episode four of Good Question. If you've been following along, you know we are taking this season to focus on conversations about missions, and we've had some great episodes for you thus far. Today's is no exception. But before we get into the interview, I just want to remind you that we have suspended our sponsorship option on Anchor while we as Team Tanderup raise funds for our own missions journey to Denmark. So if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you want to support what we're doing here, your two best options for doing that right now are through our Buy Me a Coffee site or through donations to our short-term missions account. The links for those are both in the show notes or show description in the app where you're listening. And your support does not have to be financial. It is not an exaggeration to say that when you share this podcast, either through word of mouth or to a friend or by tagging us on social media, We truly feel the love. Getting the word out to more people helps us further our mission to get people thinking, spark good conversations, and let someone out there know they aren't alone. So thank you for every way you support us and help us reach more listeners. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Victoria Summers, who is the daughter of missionaries to Cyprus, Stephen and Deborah Summers. We get to hear about her experience as a child and teenager on the mission field, and she gives some great advice for missionary and mission-minded parents. It was a lot of fun chatting with her and hearing her insights. I know you're going to enjoy this one. Victoria Summers, welcome to Good Question. Oh, thank you. It's good to be here. I am so excited to be a part of your guys' podcast. Well, we're excited too. As we were talking about doing a mission season, we had all these different ideas about people we could talk to. And I guess maybe my husband spoke to you guys about maybe you and your sister about reaching out to your parents. And then after he mentioned that to me, I said, well, I want to talk to them. I want to know about being a missionary kid. And I thought it would be a really great addition to this season to talk to young people who grew up involved with missions. So we're excited to have you on to talk about that today. Go ahead and introduce yourself for us. Yes, I am Victoria Summers. My parents are Stephen and Debbie Summers. They are missionaries to the country of Cyprus. It is in the Middle East, south of Turkey and north of Israel. So it's backed up in a little bit of corner. I'm no longer on the mission field with them. I am in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I work at St. Francis Hospital. I do uh, pediatric surgery. So I get the kids ready for surgery and help recover them. And I go to uh, the Longstress Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma as well. I absolutely love it. Best church in round. <laughs> We're fans as well. So I didn't realize that you did pediatric surgical nursing. That's really cool. Yes, I've been doing it for about two years now and I love it. It's one of my dream jobs. I can imagine. As a mom, I've never had to take my kids to surgery, but any kind of medical procedure, the nurses make or break the experience. So that's really cool. Yeah, I always love the challenge. That's my 
I don't know. I think growing up, I always liked kind of sitting back and watching people. But now that I'm older, I love a good challenge. I love to step out of my box lately. Mm. So I really, I love the challenge, especially with the kids. You never know what they're going to say and how they're going <laughs> to handle the situation. I can imagine. Especially waking up from anesthesia. I'm like, you never know what's going to come out of their mouth. <laughs> so I always love like a good challenge. I'm like, how am I going to word this so they would understand it? Or how can I make it super easy for them, especially with the family? Yeah. Oh, I bet you have stories. That's funny. Oh, yeah. I can probably write a book. <laughs> Ah, well, before you became a nurse, you were a missionary kid. We've asked every missionary that we've had on so far to tell us about their story of being called into missions. But I want to know kind of what was your experience as a kid? Were your parents already missionaries when you were born or did that happen later on? Just tell us a little bit about how you experienced missions. Actually, we were not missionaries until we were a lot later on in our lives. Oh, wow. It was kind of funny. My mom actually grew up in the Air Force. And so she was grew up a lot in Europe. And uh, my dad was in the oil industry, his family. So they were traveling. So when they met, they kind of like, we don't want to move. We want our kids to grow up in the same school, same church, <laughs> have the same friends. But my dad did have a calling to the mission field or something in missions. And so did my mom growing up. And my dad applied to go to AIM to Greece when he met my mom and Things changed. They married, had me and my sister. And later on, and I believe it was 2000, they applied for AIM again as a family. And we went to Greece for a year. And we sat down as a family. Mom and dad were like, we have a calling to go to Greece. It's in a different country. We're going to be leaving here with the family. We're going to be moving overseas for a year. And me and my sister were like, hey, we're going to go on a plane. <laughs> How cool. <laughs> How old were you guys? I was nine and my sister was six. Okay. We thought it was the coolest thing. And we plus we weren't old enough to understand that much anyway. So we were like, hey, we get to go on a plane from, you know, different movies that we've seen growing up. We're like, oh, that's so cool. We get to go on a plane. We get to I don't know, ride a donkey. I don't know. We, we're thinking like biblical stuff. We're like, we get to go ride a donkey. We get to go <laughs> eat all these different foods and stuff. So we were really excited. And once we got over there, we fell in love with Greece. We were over there for a year and then certain circumstances happened. And we ended up coming back, back to the States after that. And mom and dad didn't feel like they needed to be called back over to Greece. Um, so we ended up staying stateside until 2008, and we went to a church. We got involved on the mission side, and we started joining the youth group and kind of started figuring out our own place. Mm. And then mom and dad had a calling to go back to missions. And I feel like when you do get called, it's not just, you know, one person in your family, like mm. your dad or your mom, like the whole family's called. So when mom and dad set us down... I don't know, we always have family meetings and stuff. And we always sit and talk about everything that goes on in our lives. Even still to this day, we FaceTime them and just let them know what's going on. Uh. So when they set us down, when they were felt the calling to go back to Cyprus, which side note, mom said she would never go to a Middle Eastern country. <laughs> she, it was so funny to hear her tell the story when you guys talk to them and stuff. Her story, she's like, I will never go to a Middle Eastern country. 
over my dead body. <laughs> I will never. And then God stuck her the closest thing to, you know, That's getting so to the Middle funny. East. And she's like, I will be happy, you know, living the rest of my life in Cyprus kind of situation right now. So I think it's really funny how God's like, because she, she wanted to be buried in Greece and stuff. And then when she came back to America, she's like, no, I love Greece. If anything, we'll just go to Greece, go to Greece. And then when we got called to Cyprus, she was like, I'd never want to go to the Middle East. She ended up going and falling in love again with it because we did go visit Cyprus when we were in Greece with the visa situation and stuff. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. But when the dad did set us down, it was kind of like we were a lot older. So we understood a little bit more. Mm. And it was kind of like we all knew, you know, this is where God had us for our next chapter. It was kind of like we all knew this is where God wants us. We all had a calling for missions. It wasn't just mom and dad had a calling for Cyprus and me and Lauren had a calling for missions. Mm. And what we ended up having a burden for, we needed in Cyprus at that moment. So it worked out all well. We, we loved it being over there. So how old were you then when you guys went to Cyprus? I was 14 when we went to Cyprus and Lauren was 11. So we were a lot older. By that age, you, the Lord was dealing with each of you individually mm-hmm. to do something for him. And then it fell under the umbrella of what your mom and dad felt called to do. Yes. Lauren felt called to the kids ministry side. Mm. And I felt called... Still to this day, I still love social media and taking pictures and doing videos and stuff like that. So still to this day, I'm still involved with that at church. But even when I was younger, I still felt a calling to take pictures and make little things for my parents to help promote Cyprus and stuff. That's such a needful aspect of missions ministry that I think people don't don't think about it. We here in, the, in North America, we see all of the stuff that comes back or, you know, the videos that are made. Um, that are shown during like deputation services and that sort of thing. But there's a production aspect to that that has to take place. And so it's a unique area of calling for someone to be able to utilize kind of artistic giftings and photography skills. And like you were saying, social media skills, things that we might not always think about, I guess, when we think about being called to ministry. But that's really an interesting aspect of things that people might be able to get involved in if they were interested in missions, but didn't feel like they fit in any other kind of area. Yeah. And missions isn't just going over and preaching and being on the pulpit. Missions is going over there and seeing what the missionary needs help with. If even if it's scrubbing the toilets or even here at church or something or greeting the door, it doesn't have to be like on the platform. Like Mm -hmm. you can be a help to your pastor or to missionaries, even on the sidelines. Right. I like that. That's a really good thing. One of the things I'm doing this with this season with the social media as I'm mapping it out for the for the season is I'm pulling out some missions myths that I hear people talking about things that they believed about missions until they got involved with it. And so I think that might be one of them, you know, being a missionary means that you're a preacher and that you're an evangelist or an apostle, you know, preaching the gospel and having a street revival. (laughs) But It's also all the other things that support that kind of a ministry. Like we can't all be the same thing. Yeah, because if we are all the head, then who would be the feet and the hands? Right. So we all have different parts and we all have different callings. And when God has a certain calling for you, you fall deeply in love with it. Like with social media, like I love it. And then Lauren loves the kids and stuff. And even 
when you get older and your life experience and stuff, your callings do change. Like God has a calling, but he also like turns your calling to other things as well. Mm, I like that. So when you guys decided as a family that this was what you were going to be doing and you got there, what kind of, what kind of challenges did you see or experience? I guess even through having been to Greece and then back to the States and then back to Cyprus, like in those transitions, what kind of challenges did you guys face as young ladies? Oh, definitely mindset. I feel like being like stateside, like your mindset is geared a certain way. And then when you go, even if you go to a different state, like here in Oklahoma, and if you go to like me and my sister were in Tennessee recently, it's like the mindset is totally different in different states, but like a different country, it's totally different. I feel like moving back to Cyprus at an older age, it was definitely mindset. Like you were figuring certain things out as a teenager. And then once you move to a different country, you're like, this is different. So you kind of work around. So mindset was really, and you can't just go up and approach someone certain ways like you do here in America. Like you have to approach it a certain way overseas. And I feel like that was a big thing like struggle with for sure. And language barrier, that's always a big thing as well. But I think definitely as a teenager, I would say one of the biggest struggles was probably like you were missing certain things. Like growing up, I think that was like the biggest one, but it was still a cool experience being over there because you're in a different country and who gets to say they were when they were growing up, like what you're reading in history books and studying, you were actually walking the streets. So I think that was kind of like one of the pros of being over there as well. Yeah. Like it's it's like a trade-off. You had to give up some things of like a quote unquote normal teenage years in the state. In exchange, you got to have all these experiences that other kids weren't having. Yeah. And I wouldn't trade those for the world like at all. Like I look back and I'm like, oh, I miss this or I miss that growing up. But I also am like, I got to experience so many different things that no one ever gets to experience in their whole lifetime. So I was like, I would never trade that for anything in the world. Hmm. That's a good thing to keep in mind as a mom taking kids across the world, thinking about the things that we're going to miss or that they're going to miss can get get you feeling kind of sad, but keeping in mind all of the great experiences that they're going to have. I was 18 years old before I ever flew on an airplane for the first time. And my six-year-old has already flown. Like she flew from uh, Hawaii to North Carolina when she was less than a year old. So (laughs) she's been on a plane lots of times. (laughs) Oh yeah. It's like if me and Lauren at least don't go to the airport at least once or a year, every other year, we're like, something's off. <laughs> so we're like, wait, we haven't flown or done anything or go on a road trip. It's like, wait, something doesn't feel right this year. <laughs> so one of the good things was was getting to have all of these experiences, walking through places that are, you know, like you said, we read about in history books here. What were some of the harder things about living living abroad? I think one of the harder things is definitely being away from family and friends. You're missing out on certain things in life. And just like the normal, like the world's normal, like growing up and stuff, I would think that definitely missing out on certain things and being away from like holidays and youth conventions and like just the small things, like just to be honest, to go down the street and get a Dr. Pepper at Walmart Mm. because we don't have Dr. Pepper over there. I would definitely say like that and the time difference. Like if you have something that's going on, you're just like, I can't call them. It's two in the morning. Mm. 
definitely one of the harder things, but you know, in the end, it's worth it all. We experienced a little bit of that with the time difference. Whenever I we lived in Hawaii, I remember like I would be coming home from work in the afternoon and think like my normal routine had been for years that I would call my mom on my way home from work and I would go to like, oh, I'm going to call mom and think like, oh, no, I can't do that. It's already past, you know, <laughs> past 10 or 11 o'clock at night back home. Like, <laughs> and it's four o'clock in the afternoon and, you know, the sun's shining and I'm driving on the highway and I'm like, this is so weird. Or when I first got over there, I'd wake up in the morning and I'd have like 10 text messages or all these emails because everybody in the States was had been up for hours and, <laughs> and their day was going already. And I was just like, I feel like so out of sync with the world. It's a weird sensation. Yes, but I'm so thankful for technology because FaceTime and Marco Polo's have been such a major like help because I I don't know. I feel like because me and Lauren were kind of a little bit older because we didn't grow up on the mission field when we were younger, we were a little bit older when we did. So when we first went to Greece, we didn't have Facebook or FaceTime or anything. So we had to do like letters or phone calls and it was so expensive to call everyone. So we Mm. only got like once a week, we only got like, an hour we had to call everyone so everyone kind of all met at my grandparents house and we're like this is what's going on blah 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 blah. give them the update real quick when we were younger and then we got like care packages like every two to three months so we got like little small things but when we went to cyprus we were able to have like guy facetime Mm. and a little bit more now so that does help so much and you don't seem as far yeah it makes the world feel smaller Yeah. And you're able to keep up a little bit more now. That's really cool. Yeah. It's an amazing time to be alive. I think back to like when I had my daughter and how far away we were, but at the same time, how much farther it would have felt if we didn't have all the technology. Like you said, if we didn't have FaceTime, if we didn't have the ability to call on a cell phone, you know, and you had to pay ridiculous amounts of money just to have a conversation. So Yeah. Or even send out a text. I remember it was so expensive. Dad was like, make sure you write everything in this text message if it's an emergency. (laughs) Because he was like, this is $5 just to send this one text. Oh, man. Technology has just like taken taken off so much in the past 15 years. Like it's crazy. So from the perspective of a kid whose parents took you to the mission field, talk to me a little bit about some advice that you have for parents? Like what are some things your mom and dad did really well that you would recommend parents do or things that maybe you see that that could have helped you as a young person going to the field? I would say my parents were really, be very open with the kids. I feel like my parents were really open about certain things, even when we were younger going to Greece and when we were older, when we went to Cyprus. I feel like they were very open. Like if there was something going on in that country, like I we had like a bomb threat. They didn't Mm. just go, okay, we're hiding here. Like they were like, you know, someone is coming in and there's a bomb threat right now. You know, they were very open about everything with us. I feel like that really helped a lot because they are part of the missions as well. You know, there are certain things you that you don't go into depth about, but there are certain things that in the church wise, hey, you know, this is what's going on or be very open. And I think what also helped a lot as well is, one day a week was family night. Mm. Mom and dad kind of put away our phones after a certain time and we played games. We had pizza night. We all cooked as a family. We all played games or watched a movie or went for a walk or whatever. 
it was that time for us to just talk and giggle and have fun. And I think that what's really helped as well is because you were so like wrapped around being overseas and just trying to spread the word and everything is let them know like, hey, even though we're doing what God called us to do, you guys are still our main priority. Mm. I feel like that really helped is like, especially seeing them be so involved in so much and everyone looked up to them and you're just like, but you know, I still also need my parents. So it was also, we're still here. You know, you guys are our main priority. And even still, one of the biggest things dad also told us is if going overseas or on the mission is going to lose you guys to the world, God will find someone to replace that calling or someone to go over there. So I think that was a big thing is like, even though you have a calling for our country, our burden as a family, if dad's like, even if I knew and mom and dad both, if me and Lauren were going to be to the world, that they would give that up to save mm. mine and Lauren's soul. And I think that's like a big deal because I feel like mine and my sister's generations for missionary kids, a lot of them were lost mm. because a lot of parents push so much and they put us up on like such a pedestal. We're just like, we're just normal everyday kids. Yeah. <laughs> we just want to go hang out or do this. And I feel like our parents just letting us know, Hey, you guys, you matter. Yeah. I think that was a big thing that really helped a lot. That's a really good point. And I think that's a good thing to hear for any parents in any kind of ministry, mm-hmm. because you're right. There is a special pressure that, I'm sure missionary kids feel that even like pastor's kids or, you know, evangelist kids don't feel exactly the same, but it's, it's all in the kind of the same realm of your parents are doing this important work for God. And if they're not intentionally prioritizing you, I can imagine how it could feel. You could feel like you weren't as important or that even I can imagine myself thinking like, well, my problems are not that big. Mom and dad are dealing with something that is so much more important than just me and then mm-hmm. somehow falling away. Yeah. So I, I, I think that's an amazing insight. Oh, yeah. Especially like if you're dealing with something, like you said, and like, you know, this problem is big to me. You know, I need help or whatever. Like they're still, hey, we need to put this on pause. Our kids are our main priority right now. Yeah. I like that. I had a pastor who... He said something one time that really like stood out to me. Um, he said, your covenant, your covenant trumps your calling. Mm-hmm. So if God puts a, puts a call on your life, that's important. But when you enter into a covenant, so he was specifically talking about marriage, but I think raising children falls in that same, in, under the same umbrella that you've, you've made a covenant promise to this person. And then you've had these children that God has given you and you have a responsibility to raise them. Um, and to care for them. And those things have to take priority over the call of God. Now, you can do both, but if it gets to the point where you can't do both well, the one that has to fall away has to be the calling and you have to commit to that covenant relationship. Mm -hmm. And I, I I think that's really important for people to hear. Yeah. And it really helped out a lot, even like still, you know, dad's like, are you guys doing okay? And I'm like, dad, I'm 28 years old. <laughs> and he's like, I'm just making sure. Like, it, it still means a lot knowing if anything's going on. They're not down the road or anything, but, you know, they'll call or whatever. And be like, hey, 
we still support you 110% no matter what you do. And I think that means a lot, no matter what ministry you're in or anything. Yeah, I like that. So you got, as you mentioned, you're not down the road any longer. Um, You and your sister are here in Tulsa. Your mom and dad recently were able to get back to Cyprus. Talk about that transition. I know for missionary kids, once you reach a certain age, you kind of have to make a decision about what you're going to do with your life in a way that other kids might not have to make. Like you can't just move back into mom and dad's basement. (laughs) I know. I was like, I I was like, I hate adulting. I hate paying the bills, but (laughs) come on guys. I would definitely say it was very hard transition, especially like when they came back to deputize, Mm. like as soon as they did, it was like COVID happened. So Mm. we all got quarantined. So over the past like two years or so we were all together. So we're kind of like, Oh, it's back like the old days and stuff. But when they went back over, it was like, oh, you know, we kind of miss this, our mom's cooking or Mm. certain other things that you can't just go down the street and get like, like normal or whatever. Mm. But I'm just like, it was a hard transition and then the time difference and stuff like that. And then when you're sick, you know, you just like, I just want my mom to take (laughs) Uh care of me. And I'm like, you know, Lauren, she just throws a box of tissue at me and says, hope you get feeling better. (laughs) I'm just like, I just want my mom's chicken noodle soup, you know? And Lauren's like, I can door dash something. And I'm like, it's not the same. (laughs) Aww. The struggles of young adulting when your parents aren't around. I know. Mm. And I'm just like, and then like grandma, she's like, I can send something. And I'm like, Mimi, you live 10 hours away. <laughs> and y'all live together, right? Yes, we do. <laughs> Ugh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Please cut that out. <laughs> hey, yeah. my sister and I, we were not friends. We did not even really like each other until I moved away out of the state. And then (laughs) we were able to become friends. (laughs) Well, me and my sister growing up, we got really close in general. But then when she was overseas with my parents and I stayed here stateside, Mm. we kind of like that. It was kind of like we separated and stuff. And then now we've been together. Is it? She, we moved in and got our apartment for three years now. And I'm just like, Oh my goodness, you're actually funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good that you, like, yeah, your relationship as adults changes so much. Oh yeah, for sure. She's like a best friend. Yeah. Yep. Thank God for sisters. I know. Even with all of the stress they cause us. I know. All right. So one of the things that we're asking all of our guests this season is kind of about what the experience of being on the mission field has taught you. And there are several different ways that you could answer this question. You can answer all of them or just one of these pieces. But um, we're asking, what have you learned about yourself, about the church or about God on the mission field that you might not have learned in the U.S.? Oh, definitely. I feel like God, I feel like every missionary says this, but you don't have to be called once you're older to the mission field. Like, or anything in missions or in any ministry to Pete Pacific, like God can call you at like five years old or Mm. he can call you when you're like 19 or even 30 something. Like there's no, like God doesn't put an age limit on a calling. He's like, Oh wait, you're 28. Sorry. Your time's up for that. Here's Mm. another calling for you. Like there, you can be called to anything, any ministry, any calling at any age. Mm. I feel like that's one thing I learned. Like you I know, I feel like over in stateside, 
the mindset is like, you have to be an adult to have this calling, or you have to do this, or you have to go to Bible school before you can do this. Like you can be called and you can witness to your neighbor or whatever. And you could be like five years old. Yeah, I was, you know, sitting and watching something and at church and I saw this little kid. She was like, oh, let me tell you a Bible story. And she was like five years old, like witnessing to her friend. And I'm like, you know, you know, that's what it's about. Like, you don't have to have like an age limit on it. Mm. I like that because I think you're right here. Here in the States, we have these, and I think we don't even always realize that we do, but we have this mindset of like, it has to happen not before a certain age, but definitely by a certain age. <laughs> There's like this very oh, yeah. finite window of like 16 to 25 or something. <laughs> That's when you're going to yeah. get called to your life's calling. And then the rest of your life is going to be you pursuing that one specific thing. Exactly. But it's really not yeah. like that. It can happen at any time. And like you mentioned earlier, it can change as you go along. Yeah. Like seasons change and time changes and God can be like, you know, in this time of your life, I wanted you to do this. And then now I want you to focus on this. Mm-hmm. I like that. So as uh, this is more of a personal question, but do you feel that that calling that you felt to support your parents in missions um, was for that limited specific time? Or do you feel like God will send you back onto the field at some point? I, to be honest, I really don't know. Um, I'm open to whatever God has for me because I realize if you don't, do the will of God, you're going to be miserable. Mm. So if God calls you for something and you know, he's called you and you just refuse to like ignore it, or I don't want anything about it. You're just going to be miserable in the state you're in. Yeah. So right now I feel like God has me here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I don't feel a lift in that, but I pray I'm like, God, wherever you want me, if it's here in Tulsa, if it's in Cyprus, if it's, in Timbuktu, wherever you want me, you know, I'm willing to go wherever you want me. Yeah. For sure. Now, again, this is just me like with curiosity, but how did you and your sister end up in Tulsa? Were you guys originally from here? No, we are not originally from here. We are actually, we were, it's a funny story because, you know, being the missionary, you never, you really don't have like, I'm from this area because you travel and grow up so much in all these different places. But me and my sister are actually born in Savannah, Georgia. Okay. And then we moved to right outside of Nashville, Tennessee, Murfreesboro area. And we grew up there. And then in 2000, we went to Greece for a year. And then we came back and we stayed in Murfreesboro until 2008 and then went back to Cyprus. So uh-huh. Murfreesboro is technically like our hometown. Okay. And so then you, did you move here while your parents were back in Cyprus and then they just came back to where you were? Uh, yes. In 2014, I didn't feel a calling to like go back or anything. I felt like it was my time to step back and pursue my career and stuff and go to school and start my job and stuff. So in 2014, I moved to Oklahoma and stuff. Okay. And All right. I've been here about eight years now. Wow. It's just so cool how God just moves us around, isn't it? You just, it is. you just never know where you're going to end up. I left Oklahoma mm-hmm. when I was 21. And I, when I left, I said I was coming right back. I wasn't, you know, I had no intention of living anywhere else for the rest of my life. I was just going to college. And then after two years of college, I moved to New York and told anyone who would listen that I was there for one year and that was it. I definitely was not going to marry anybody in New York and stay in New York. Definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> 
And then I ended up being there as a single woman for five years. And if the Lord had not moved us out of there, I would still be in New York because I loved it so much. But then I married my husband who was in the army and I, much like your mother, I had sworn up and down, I was never, ever going to marry a person who was in the military or a policeman or a firefighter. Those are the things that were like, definitely not. And so what do you know? <laughs> then I got to be an Small army wife though. for eight years <laughs> and move four times. So <laughs> yeah. I, I left Oklahoma and then within 15 years, I lived in six different states. And then said I was never coming back to Oklahoma. And then you see how that worked out. So, <laughs> yeah, I know. I told mom and dad, I think it's so funny how you guys both like with my grandpa being in the Air Force and then with my on my mom's side and then my grandpa, on my dad's side was in the oil industry. They both moved so much. And then when they got married, they're like, you know what? We want a white picket fence. We want, you know, the typical Southern home. And then I'm like, we've moved so much. And I think the longest the longest I've ever been in one place is here in Oklahoma is eight years. And the longest my sister has been is three years. Oh yeah. Three years here in Tulsa. And I was like, it's so funny. <laughs> and I was like, wait, we haven't moved anywhere in such a long time. It kind of feels odd sometimes. It does. And you know what? It's what's interesting. I, I think that's such a cool point is that our life experiences prepare us for what God has for us to do. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I fully believe that. So I graduated from high school. I had no clue what I wanted to do as far as a career. And I was interested in sign language. And so I found a community college, Tulsa Community College here has an excellent interpreting an American sign language program, but I didn't even really know that. I just went in there and took an ASL one class and a deaf culture and history class the first semester of college and just kind of fell into this career path where I went on to become an interpreter. And it's been such a blessing as a military wife, every place we have moved, I've been able to find a job with no problem. Throughout the pandemic, I had work, more work than I could, could do when other industries were shutting down. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I would not have ever imagined that, but God took a thing that was like a little interest of mine and turned it into a career that has supported us and helped, you know, And then through all of our moving, our minds have been opened, our perspectives have been opened to where now it's like we're prepared in some regards. I'm sure we're not completely prepared, but we're we're at the beginning stages of being prepared to go to Europe and to minister to people who are, are of a different mindset and of a different background and different experience. And so I think we do sometimes want to like say, I don't want all these experiences that I've had. I want to change everything up. And sometimes that happens and it works. But a lot of times God wants to use all of that to move you into equip you for what he wants you to do. Oh, yeah. And I feel like God, he doesn't waste like certain things and certain like, you know, you a small thing that you felt like you just wanted to have a small interest in. Like God doesn't waste certain mm-hmm. talents or certain degrees that you have. Like he uses those for, you know, the calling as well. Yeah. Yeah. The things that you're, what is it that real I keep seeing on Instagram? Like the things that you're passionate about are not an accident. Mm-hmm. God crafts us in certain ways. Even you, like your, your interest in photography, your interest in social media, like all those things are being used for the kingdom. We tend to have such a limited mindset about that, that God really can use us, the things that we love and the things that we uh, enjoy and that we're good at. Yeah. Well, I've loved talking to you. Is there anything else about being a missionary kid, about missions, about God calling you or using you? Anything else that you want to share with us before we wrap up? 
I would say don't let what the world people or your peers define as success. Mm. God's success is completely different than the world's standards. Mm. I love that. Well, the last question of our show, we always ask the same question. Our show is called Good Question. So we like to ask every guest, what is a good question that you're asking yourself lately? I would definitely say with the new year coming up, I've never been one for New Year's resolutions or writing anything down or doing like a word or quote of the year. But I feel like the past like three or four years, I really like wrote them down and had words. So my question is, what is your New Year's word or resolution Mm. for this year? Do you have a word of the year yet? I don't. And Next and tomorrow starts the new year and I don't have a new word. It's stressing me out. I'm like, normally I have one by now, but I'm like, I'm like, maybe God hasn't given it to me. Maybe I, maybe I need to pray more. <laughs> you know, what's funny. I just was this morning, you mentioned it's um, New Year's Eve right now. As we're Mm -hmm. talking, just this morning, I was doing some like reflection journaling about the year. I follow a lot of people that talk about journaling and reflection. And so a lot of my podcasts this past week have been end of the year reflection questions and journal prompts. And so I pulled a few of those out. And one of them from one of the ladies that I listened to her question that's just like stuck with me. And I keep thinking about it over and over again. The question was, what do you want more of in 2022? And so Mm. I've been thinking about that. And this morning, as I was journaling that, just kind of like free writing it, I wrote out like four or five things. And then I went back and read them and noticed that the same word was in three of the four. And so I was like, that might be my word. And so I think my word for 2022 is going to be connection. That's good. But it's it's fun. It's a fun practice to kind of frame your year around a central theme and then see how God uses that to talk to you throughout the year. So definitely. And then when you, cause I like to write it in my calendar, like the beginning. Mm. And then once I done with that calendar and grab my new one, I look back and I'm like, you know, I really followed through or God really worked through Mm. with that word or that phrase or the, my new year's resolutions. Yeah. Definitely. I love it. Well, when you find out, when you figure out what your word is, I would love to hear it because I'm always intrigued by people's um, thought processes and the way they're, the way they're looking at their lives and what God's doing. Will do. I'm struggling between a few of them right now. So as soon as I figure it and narrow it down, I'll let you know. Yeah, I would love to hear it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for chatting with me. This has been really, really fun. I loved hearing your stories and your perspective about growing up as a missionary kid. Well, thank you for having me a part. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Well, I love chatting with you. Wasn't that such great insight? I think this episode is one we can all glean something from, whether it's an awareness of the needs of young people living far from their parents or for us as parents about the impact it makes on our kids when we demonstrate to them that they are our priority. Thank you so much to Victoria for sharing her story with us. Next week on the podcast, we will be talking more about the unique challenges facing missionary kids and the vital work of the UPCI's MK ministry. I hope you'll listen in to that episode so you can find out more about how you can support the children and young people who are answering God's call along with their families. As always, I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can find us on social media. We're on Instagram at Good Questions Show, and I'm at Jessica Tanderup. That's Jessica T as in Tuesday. 
A-N-D-E-R-U-P. You can also find us on Facebook by searching Good Question with Jessica Tander at Podcast. Our email address is goodquestionshow at gmail.com. To follow along on our AIM adventure to Denmark, we're at Tanderups for Denmark on Instagram. That's Tanderups with an S, the number four, Denmark. And we're also on Facebook as well. This podcast is a production of Good Question Media and is produced and hosted by me, Jessica Tanderup, my co-producer, editor, and the man who brought me the most beautiful roses from the grocery store yesterday is my husband, Dave Tanderup. Our audio engineer is Josh Powalczyk. That's it for this week. We'll be back here next Tuesday with another good question. See y'all then.